Hey, before we get started, I want you guys to go to Instagram and stalk while we talk to 1111, a creative collective. They are there at one, 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 one underscore ACC. Do it now. Any of my intro? Do you want my computer? No, sorry. Okay. Um, I'm clapping in the beautiful, wonderful, and inspiring to me, Addie Gonzalez Renteria. Is it? Did I say that right? Uh, okay, Renteria. Uh, Renteria. <laughs> you said that already. Darn it. Um. Good. <laughs> one of the founders of Eleven Eleven, a creative collective that is uh, a force out here in the valley, but uh, through all of Los Angeles for the arts, a nonprofit that friggin' cuts like like a knife through butter the the bs that is out there about creating events for the community for artists in general with their just with your might with you and Aaron and the way that you guys are like yeah whatever it's fine like whatever you need us to do we'll sign the paperwork just like <laughs> we'll, we'll just get it done <laughs> We'll cut, we'll cut through the red tape and just get it so done. So <laughs> much red tape. And so your scissors are like, you guys are like Edward hands over there with your like, whatever, whatever, whatever. Okay, ready? We're coming. Receive's rising, yeah. people. <laughs> so yeah, so they're, they're famous for the Canoga Park Art Walks um, from years, like oh I my god, eleven we to twenty eleven. That's what I thought. Which is I, I, so I, crazy right. to think about. Uh, like, well, twenty twenty one. Right, and Ooh. then to, and I think up until like nineteen. Is that when you guys? <laughs> okay, and I'm not hearing. Okay. Okay. Sorry, the dogs are just going crazy in front uh, of me. So. And honestly, I'm fine with that. I am super fine. Um, however it goes. Uh, the dogs are inspired. The dogs <laughs> are, are so inspired. Or right they're now. like, my God, you've been talking for six hours. Can we go outside? No. <laughs> um, no keep going. Uh, so, Reseda Rising uh, as well. Canaga Park, or, you know, the artwork there until 2019. Uh, Receda Rising for four or five years? Uh, yes, we started Receda Rising 2016. Okay. And for you guys, you know, out there, these events were, they're seminal. They, they, they were change-making just by virtue of their, of their bravado, of their existence. Like, you guys just did it. You Thank you. Yeah, did it. Yeah, we did. It's it's incredible. You know, when I um, when Aaron and I have these like moments of um, you know, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of focus and dedication. And then there's these moments and the events that like, you know, it's kind of like cheesy. But I feel like she and I have these moments of like we see we're like far apart, and then we see what's happening. We're just like. Like totally. it, it's happening, like and I just got full body goosebumps. So, like, also, <laughs> those moments are so inspiring, and I feel like they're also very fueling for us to kind of have the you know that spark that keeps you know just continuously lit and helps us stay focused. I think since the very beginning when we started back in twenty oh my god not twenty two thousand nine. We did a show. Um, it was our very first show. Um, and you guys and were was, 12 and you just. We were 12. <laughs> we were 16. <laughs> so um, good. And it was, it was that thing that, you know, we, we, we knew we, we wanted to do something specifically in the Valley because we were both very much into 
underground art and music and we always found ourselves driving out of the valley to do anything that was right. you know related and like the cobalt was the only thing the valley had right yeah and at the time it was the cobalt in bars you know right Um, and you were underage and not able we were underage and we just could not go to bars (laughs) (laughs) so when did um, you guys meet were you in high school together huh were you guys in high school together we were not no i actually um did not grow up in the valley i grew up in the north like northeast um la area so like close to i don't know if people but like close to east la but it was like huntington park bell maywood southgate down like that part of la right um and well and one thing you know for me growing up in that side of of la um, there was, you know, in the late, I'm not going to say the years cause I'm not going to age myself. I was okay, about to perfect. say the years, but back <laughs> then when I was under age, <laughs> um, there was a lot of punk shows and there was a lot of like backyard gigs. And that was my thing. Like, that's what I spent doing. And when I moved to the Valley, I didn't know anybody. And I was like, what do people do here? Like what? what happens here other than go to bars that I can't go to? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, the impetus was very much informed by us wanting to do something in the Valley for Valley people. And so our first show, we had about 35 to 40, 40 visual artists and we rented oh gosh. a room in this bar that I don't think exists anymore, but it was in Studio City. And, um, you know, we invited a lot of people. It was a lot of word of mouth and we were expecting our parents and, um, you know, the artists to show up. Right, what right. Like I'd expect <laughs> was to have 300 people. Oh my gosh. That first night. And so we were just blown away. Well, you guys are and- hippie chicks too. Like you guys, not hippie chicks, but like. You probably had some magnitude, you know, like people were like, wait, they're cool. Wait, they're cool. Wait. I you're hope a- people thought that. I hope <laughs> that people think that. But um, yeah, no, we we just were not expecting that at all. No. And, and I think that that's a was lot of people kind of like, for the Valley. Shit, like that's crazy. No, that never like, happens. I mean, yeah. it does because you did it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and so that first show, we were like, "Oh my god, this is this is like a need. This isn't even like a right. thing that we're just like, oh, let's throw a show and see." You know, like it was, it felt like a need, and it felt like there was um, a need that we felt we could fulfill because we had the the skills at the time to do it. Um, and so the first, I want to say four years, five years, that's what we did. We threw a party at our house. We did a fundraiser and then we would do an art show. And, um, by 2013, we, um, obtained our, our like official 501c3 status. That's when I did and, too. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. I remember we met <laughs> in 2014, right? Yep. Yeah. Oh. Um, and I feel like ever since it's just been kind of like this uphill growth for us. That's been pretty incredible. Um, you know, it's been, can't say, you know, that it's been the easiest thing, but it's definitely been rewarding and it's what we love doing. So, well, and you guys have, here. you, your structure is different than mine in that you guys i think have a board you have or you know of course every 501c3 has a board yeah whether or not they're active whether or not they're but in order to get that that status you have a board um and so you have you have a round a round table of people and i remember you telling me a couple of years ago um how beneficial it was to pull pull in the things that you guys wanted to do and really give yourself a laundry list so that you knew what to not get distracted by. And, and was that, was that formed by, was that list? So you guys, there you were, you know, you're busy probably for six real years doing the work that, 
that was like, well, can you do that? Sure. Let's go try that. You know, yeah. and, and like responding to requests and, and right. also kind of chasing your fantasies a little bit about it and stuff. And then if you guys get where I got, which was like, what? <sighs> we can't do everything. Right. <laughs> like, And yeah. then you called it in. And what, what, what were the things that popped and like, what was your method of knowing that these were the things that were valuable? Um, and was the value yeah, it's, for the it's super interesting? Yeah. To think about it in those terms. I feel like when we first started, um, so much of it was, um, so much of what we were doing was about creating some type of like cohesion, like some type of like cohesive cultural community that was accessible to everybody mm -hmm. and the only like the the fastest way to do that was through events parties you know like getting <laughs> people together um and then you know as we kind of grew and and started finding our niche i think um you know at the time erin was exhibiting she's a photographer and she was exhibiting and like doing a lot of um gallery shows and um i decided to go back to school and get my master's in arts administration where did you do that in, uh drexel university okay so it's i mean i don't know if you want to get back but like my well my that's school that's are very very humble i went to a title one school yeah. in inner city like la good with like three thousand kids oh my um, gosh I went. Did you to, go there the whole time for high school? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a Bell High graduate. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and then I went on to a technical school, and and then from there I went to community college, and then from community college I transferred to UCLA, and I got oh, my undergraduate in art history. Second full body goosebumps. Oh my god! <laughs> and you, so you went to UCLA. So you you graduated. From UCLA with an art history degree. With an art history degree. Amazing. And then um, I worked for an architect because I was convinced that I was going to be an architect. <laughs> and it wasn't until I went to community college that I realized I didn't want to be an architect because I fell in love with art history. Yeah. Um, and that kind of led me on this more like art focused career. And um I what? didn't even know that art administrators existed. I didn't know what that was until right. later in my life. And and then I decided to get a master's degree in that, which helped me um, and us kind of um, bring some focus to the organization and to 1111. Um, but because yes, that like, was in arts administration, right? So mm -hmm. does policy go into that or is that... Policy, yeah, like I actually ended up doing my master thesis on the cultural development of the San Fernando Valley. Yes. So that helped inform. From, from how long? Like the, um, the range of years? Like was that from? That was my master's. Orange groves to. Oh my God. So, I mean, it wasn't like completely like back to back. Like I took breaks in between. Um, I graduated from UCLA. No, no, no. What I mean is your your study oh. of the cultural development of the valley. Was it from when the valley was just orange groves to now? Oh, you mean like the the timeline yeah, that I yeah, covered yeah. pieces? Um, no, it wasn't. I mean, I did. I I did do like kind of like a historical like. Um, overview or like assessment of the valley but it was very much focused um on the question as to why there isn't some type of like <sighs> cultural entity that is focused in the valley right um but it was very much based on like present time as in the time that i did the the research got it um but yeah there was like a whole um yeah like a whole overview as to why and, and going back through history was like very informative, you know, the roots of how the valley formed and how it became kind of like the quintessential suburbia, you right. know, that like represented so much of like suburbia in all of the country, you know? Yeah, was, like the model, like the, yeah, yeah. exactly. And that yeah. didn't include the notion of free 
free thought, creativity. It was all about chunking down, doing the work, being a cookie cutter model citizen and, and support well, it for was the war. Meant to be and, like a, I, it was mostly providing housing for soldiers that were coming back from the war. And I live in one. This is, this is a, the tract home right here. Oh and, my gosh. And all the tract homes. But I don't think back then, you know, urban planners were thinking of like, let's put a cool theater in the middle of the valley, you know, or like a cool, no, like that was not a thing. People were, um, they wanted a house and they wanted a job. Yeah. And that's what the valley could provide. And the valley was like a bridge over to, you know, LA City proper. And I think so much of the stigma around the valley um, and the relationship it has with the city of LA is, you know, rooted in that, right. obviously. So, and, that's, and I was fascinated by the history of the San Fernando Valley totally, overall. Well, like and you're here now, like you probably cracked some of the code to what needs to happen. Yeah, I mean, in some aspects, and you know, I'm not, I'm not like I feel like our work um, has had like ripple effects, and I hope that you know our hopes have always been that like more people do what we're doing, right? Because we need that, we need it. There's, you know, the valley's huge; it's almost two million people or more than two million people at this right. point. Um, so yeah, the 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 cultural assets and you know kind of like to go back to the to the original question of like how we identified the programs yes. that were going to serve our mission um we kind of came to the conclusion that we needed public art and we needed access to public art we needed events some type to some some kind of vehicle to help us connect with people and events for that thing and um shows for artists that were underrepresented, marginalized and like gallery and shows, you mean? Gallery shows, mm -hmm. yeah. We, you know, we took a lot of pride in becoming kind of like art show ninjas because we would, you know, kind that of that pop-up thing and then yeah, see, you we, know, we, was... we were doing a pop-up ah, thing, like yeah. And I mean like, we were doing it like crazy people. You know, you know, when we started the Canoga Park Art Walk, that's how it started. It wasn't an art walk, it was all it was us taking over empty retail spaces and turning them into galleries oh for, gosh. you know, two or three days at a time, four to five, you know, times you know, like every month for the summer. Right. Um, and, and then education. So those are kind of like, those were like the four pillars that we found were really important to highlight and to focus um, on. And it's really interesting because throughout the years, it's been challenging um, to convince people that we do all of this work and because they're like, well, what do you do really? Like, oh my what, God. Oh, totally. What do you do? I get what that. is yeah. your thing? And, what, and how many like, people do, do you impact? <laughs> and they're like, well, but what do you do? I'm just like, oh my God. <laughs> but honestly, um, I think having having the the four programs and having been focused on those four programs for all of these years is what saved our asses during covid yeah you know like being able to pivot from one program to another and like discern which which program we would put our energy into um you know during this time was really really helpful and so um, what did that look like what happened what did your what journey, happened? what, what has this year brought, you know, to the fore for you guys? So, or you can go back and go like, so there you had your, your examples of the, not examples, but the list, the four things to focus on. Mm -hmm. And then, and, and my memory of you guys were at the Ventura doing the art walks and then going to, um, the space toolbox, for a mm -hmm. bit, right? Like toolbox was kind of this like coming together of of like this all of those things, right? Like giving okay. you a really great space for that. And I know that that you know like that lived as long as that could live in that form, right? right? And meanwhile, you guys are also developing as as knowers of what you're doing, and then every, and then we get stopped. 
And yeah. so, <laughs> but, yes, <laughs> but thankfully the whole wide world well, got stopped. stopped, but not really, right. it really didn't stop for us. It just changed. Totally. It, Me it too. Changed yeah. and, and we had to like adjust, but it actually, um, well, I feel like this last year has just been, um, I think for a lot of us, just very informative because we've had to stop really mm -hmm. and like reassess everything that we're doing and why we're doing it and questioning and really like assessing the mission, revisiting the mission again. Um, and it's almost like a, it was like a recalibration period for us, but we didn't stop. We actually have been really busy um and even though toolbox toolbox closed its doors um it didn't it affected us in a way that was like more psychological than like programmatic mm -hmm. um because we couldn't do anything at toolbox anyway this whole year um but we kept doing things with public art and we kept hiring artists to do public art um continue to do so right now We've been, um, is that with your, your electrical boxes? Well, that's one, but we're also doing, um, yes. Like the electrical boxes was like, we did name like that 60 last year. Yeah. Name your program. I love it. Street it's a great box. name. What is it? Street box. Street, street box. box. Street box. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love the graphics. I'm I love your website for that. It's so good. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but also doing like large scale murals and we got a few contracts with the city of Glendale and the city of uh, Burbank, um, the city of LA. We did a virtual um, art walk actually with um, in Canoga Park for the Madrid theater. This was like smack in the middle of the pandemic and it was the first time we ever tried our hands are doing some type of virtual event and um, it was kind of introducing the renovation of the Madrid theater and introducing their incubator um, that's going to be open sometime next year. Um, that's so yeah, we did uh, we did a campaign in a mural with um, the Committee for Greater LA. They released a report called No Going Back LA, which highlighted a lot of the inequity around um, communities of color. Yeah. And their access to um, services, health services, and, you know, all of all of the inequalities that you can think of. Um, but we partnered with them to do a mural and we actually did it um, in Canoga Park. I don't know if you've seen it. It's like right behind uh, the Great One Eighters. Oh, um, it is. Oh, my gosh. Well, I will. Yeah. I I will drive there. I will go and yeah. I will drive there. That's wonderful. Yeah, it was a really cool project to be involved with. Um, great, um, just, it was just a very inspiring campaign and project that we did with No Going Back. Um, they were, they wanted to highlight um, women of color, um, especially, well, particularly um, muralists. And so we work with an artist, her name's Karina Vasquez. Um, yeah, like it, it's just been, it's been different you know, um, all of the plans that we had for 2020 were kind of like, <laughs> just, yeah, um, we had so many plans. We had launched the uh, Valley Art Academy and that got stopped because, you know, we couldn't do anything in person. We had um, at Toolbox, we had launched the first night of our music uh, <sighs> program. Yeah. Um, and that was like right before the shutdown. I think that was like March 6th. And it was so great. It was so cool and fun. And we wanted to turn Toolbox into like the only, it was like, basically we were going to be the only um, all ages music venue in the uh, Valley. It, well, and our prom showed that it like- The prom, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It totally worked for that. And- Yeah, it was um, beautiful. I guess did such a good job. That was awesome. It, it was so fun. It was yeah. fun. It was, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was really good. But, and yeah. same with us. We were going to do another prom and all of that. And I know. Yeah. I know. But we're, we're here and we're, we're, you know, doing our thing and growing and, and learning from all of these crazy changes. 
Um, but yeah, just well, I it, going back to like that the world of being the people who. Well, first of all, I think we both have both as you know these teams of thought that we are <laughs> in the nonprofit world of uh, you know, and I include the great one eighters in there, and you know, just the the people that we've come to rely on who can cut through and do things or ask for permission later or whatever. Um, what do I want to say? I I feel like the fact that we've all been doing it kind of for 10, 12 years or whatever gave us the, like, suddenly we are the ones who seem lasting. And I think we're also grounded in that we've been here knowing all of the, like, I at least got with the charity. Um, like, I started questioning myself years before now, how come I haven't been able to make the kind of impact for all these kids that I see that I should, like, I wanted all of them to be in college. I wanted all of them, you know, like, I'm like, all of you guys, why can't I do this? Like really putting a lot of like heavy on me about it and, you know, calling myself ineffective or whatever and every time I would do that a kid would hear me because I had them all living here and you know at different times and they'd be like well what about me and I'm like I know I'm doing the one-on-one stuff but I want to do the global right yeah and then in the last couple of years the systemic issues that I couldn't allow myself to call it because I felt like it was my job to, you know, go make it better. And now I'm just like, we all are doing the very hardest work out there in the trenches of, of the people who are the least served and, and like, and they're amazing. And yet all of these shifts, I'm like, oh my God, there's just nothing more to talk about (laughs) until everything has adjusted like those truths need to be pounded and pounded and i'm like i shifted all of my creative focus with kids in the continuation high schools to um to freaking propaganda like i was like we we can only do posters we can only do like we have to yell and i want to give you the voice now i think there's another world of of like I think even those kids are like, where, what, what are we going to yell about? Because they've been yelling forever, you know. So it's there's different mantles of of who who can get up high enough to yell loud enough, you know, and 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 stuff like that. And I think, um, I do feel like that, like you're talking about creating the valley culture, and I'm like, I want to create the valley battle cry in some ways you know like you can't have culture until until you have equality also like there's something weird about the imbalance about it you know absolutely i mean i it's i feel like the the idealism that comes with being like a young organization is to I mean, I don't know if it comes with like every every person that decides to start a nonprofit, they started because they have a big idea and they have big dreams. And and I think, um, you know, when I think of the org like the, the organization as an entity, I very much look at it as like its own form, right? And you kind of start off as a baby, kind of figuring out where where the edges are you know and like what what your footing is and where you're standing and then as you kind of um start growing and start kind of um learning who the players are um it doesn't matter like how much you're kicking and screaming if you're a baby and no one's taking you seriously you know i i think that there's um 
the systemic issues are larger than any of us individually right and right. i personally feel that like i do believe that each of us have a responsibility and that all of us can affect some type of change and that we can have a ripple effect um but i think that until we don't have some type of cohesion and i go back to this word because it's so important to have cohesion around a single clear message that we're taking up to the higher ups. Right. 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 So that you are so that they can hear you. If you don't have a clear message with a clear goal and a clear outcome, then why are you screaming and kicking? Like, why are you extending? Why are you expending all of this energy? Um, it's noise, right? Yeah. Well, I was just, I was going to go like this. You're the fly. You're the, like, as long as yeah. you're easily bad offable or, you know, sent to your room or whatever. Right. Um, and I think, like, for example, like if our goal is to like impact, impact people, that's very different than I want to change the system. Then, then you're, it's like, you know, the David and Goliath thing, you know, right. I think that um in order to go after the goliath which is bigger than than most of us can even comprehend it's gonna take a lot of energy and a lot of us rallying around the same message mm -hmm. with the same objective or you know in a clear goal that we're going after and i think systems take a long time to change and i think that people naturally have a resistance to change I think uh, once we hit like some type of like homeostasis, we're just like, this is comfortable. Like I don't want right. to, you know? Um, but I do think that like nonprofits are really, um, they are like at the trenches of those systemic changes. Um, and, and it takes a lot of us to do our work with heart and with consciousness and with integrity and with passion. Um, and with intelligence, you know, to, to kind of get past that noise mm -hmm. and be able to get, you know, to those ears that are, Oh, maybe these people have a point, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I, um, I think it's, it's those people have a point and it's also like, I'm here in CD. I've been in CD four. I've lived in CD four for 29 years. My nonprofit affects CD6, CD7, for the most part, C, you know, all, all of the LA, but like CD4, not so much, just because they haven't decided to embrace art yet. And I've tried. And, but now, like I've gone through, since I've been in the nonprofit, I've gone through three council members. And now we have Nithya, who is like, I'm going to end homelessness people. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, yeah. can I talk to you guys now? Maybe that I, I, I'm literally dusting off plans from, you know, from 10, years 10 yeah. solid years ago. And they yeah. were legitimately all I ever wanted to do. And yeah. And, and, and the poor girl who's all of 26, who I talked to, said, I just got off the phone with DCA. And I was like, oh, do you need a drink? And she's, <laughs> she laughed. Yeah. And it, yeah. so there's, so, so there's this world of, we've been here for 10 years and I'm not tying you to me. I, you guys are your own beauty. And I'm only talking about like what it takes to actually get some yeses, get the grants, get, you know, and I'm getting grants and you guys are getting grants. So we're doing something right within the city and, well, and the state and all of that. And um, I just got one today, actually. Um, congratulations. I know. I was like, I forgot I did that. Yay. <laughs> he writes so many. And then anyway, um, what my point is, we're getting we're getting to where we're, you know, look, I'm I'm like walking out of my own frame where we're able to actually walk taller because a, we've been in the room. You, mm -hmm. you know, you know your council member very well. You've delivered mm -hmm. numbers for him. You mm -hmm. know, you, 
you know, you've seen how that system runs. You've seen how, you know, you've seen your friends elevate into the city system. Right. And, and so you're no, we're no longer, I think, players of, 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 uh, oh, isn't that cute? We're, 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 we're getting bigger. We're getting better at right. the the messaging we have more people right. believing you and, have more people and you know what like i think like as activists and like being like more involved in like in the community and like you know just being more familiar with like local politics i think it's like super important to not like pathologize um uh, those those the people that are public servants um uh, because i think that the more we kind of other the city officials, it's like the more distance we're creating. And I think in, in my experience, like it's super important to see like the the human before mm -hmm. the role um, that they're, you know, fulfilling in, in a city capacity. Um, but it is, it's, it's, it's quite like the tricky thing um, but I think it's also for me, I think what helps is that like, I always think like, fuck, how do you do that job? Like, <laughs> that's crazy, right? Do you slice and a section of your brain out? Well, that decide to go into those roles. Right. Uh, because it's not, it's not easy. You just like, our job isn't easy, you know, but I think when, when we start off with that commonality of like, you're human, I'm a human, you live here, I live here. I want to make this better. You probably got into this role or this job because you want to make a difference somehow. Mm -hmm. Like what is that common ground that we're, that we're both walking on and kind of use that as like the, 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 the entry, the entry yeah. or like the, the basis for why are we doing this? You know? Well, um, and the zeitgeist is meeting. I think that's the other that's that's really the other conversation about what has happened in the last two years, four years, six, you know, you know what I'm talking about, Art. <laughs> the, these bad years and now this, um, which is yeah. that the zeitgeist conversation has met what we what you already knew. That 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 things like you don't. I find that it's easier now because you, there's a you know about it that you don't have to explain anymore. Like, you know, there's mm -hmm. systemic racism. You know that there's suppressive behaviors. You know, yeah, you know, there's inequality, you know, that these, and like I said, like, look, I am a product of that, that inequality. Like I went to a school that was really shitty, you know, like I was met with so much adversity, you know, going to high school and like, teen pregnancies and drugs and violence. And, you know, when I, I was like, I just want to go to college. Like, how do I do this? Like, where's the career center? And they point me to the career center and it's a freaking closet, you know? And right. the army recruitment freaking office is like it's gigantic. It's like the gym. But it's like your, your 15 year old mind, like it doesn't register as it, like, why are things like this? Like, mm -hmm. um, and, and yes, like, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I think that these systems and these inequalities have been set up for, for a long time. And it's not like it's the city, like they're the bad ones, you right. know, no, it, it's bigger. It's bigger than the city. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like they are gargantuan forces. Systems, yeah, yeah. And forces that we can only take like bite sizes at a time in order to be able to but yeah, you you're in the fucking belly of the beast. Excuse my language. You oh, know? And we totally cuss you on here. <laughs> whether you want to fight the monster, whether you want to get to know it and understand it in a way that like you as an individual can make some type of difference or not, you know, yeah. like you decide whether you want to be angry and you want to, you know, screw the screw the man, you know, it's it's just it's so much about how one decides to expend their energy and and how to go about it um i don't know i think it's 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 tricky but it's also fascinating because there's systems and well systems and i was just gonna say created. there's circumventing systems are created by us they're right. created by humans totally <laughs> totally it's like oh wait i know how to break that because i no not break it but circumnavigate or 
you know, work around it for them. And it does, it does take that elevation of like, okay, there's the system where we want to be over there. Where can we, you know, do our ninja move and also pop up and go like, hi, shake your hand and, and like, no, we are, we've got waste management. We've got our boxes. We've got, <laughs> we have our COVID protections or whatever it is. But, but, you know, and then I think, and then we have Alex Padilla, who's like suddenly our senator, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, that kind of change spikes. That spikes yeah. that moment where spikes, you're like, yeah. Yeah. we might get some change I, I, in there. It's so funny. I read this. It was a meme, of course, somewhere that it said like politics is not like, or it was, I think it was something about the elections. Like elections is not like, like you're basically, it's like public transportation. You're going to take the bus that's going to get you there. You're not going to find like the one, you know what I mean? So you just, you take the path that's going to lead you to your destination. Eventually you'll get there, but you're not going to find a Ferrari along the way that's going to take you straight to the right. party. <laughs> <laughs> so you kind of, you know, do your research and I, you know, for artists, I think to kind of like bring it back, yeah. Um, the importance for artists and art activists and people that are doing their thing, um, I think it's really important to um, just yes, like the the dissatisfaction, the screaming and yelling, you know, for equality, for better um, opportunities is important. But I also think that it it needs to be done smartly and like understand who you're directing that message to mm -hmm. rather than just like screaming into the air and what are you sense. asking for from, yeah. from your audience like yeah. what problem are you yeah yeah but it's it's all needed it's all part of the system <laughs> you know like we need the anger we need the activists we need the smart people we need the people the doers we need all of us together right. And, and art for me has been the fastest and most accessible vehicle by which to get there. Right, right, right. It, it, so that leads me just to a thought because my brain is following you and I'm like, where did you grab this, this understanding? Like, is it from, and I know we can't, take our pieces parts away and call it you know we are gestalts of ourselves but but like where did you learn that that like did you learn that in in going to school did you learn that from like I, I <laughs> depressing don't know. yourself I mean, together I I think like you said I just think it's like a, an accumulation of experiences and people and and reading and and just being curious honestly mm -hmm. and i i think for me it's been so much about um just continuously feeding that curiosity and i think most artists have that curiosity um yeah, I mean, I don't know that there's like a straightforward answer. Like, where I don't know where, where you I, got I where, where I got where did I, I get me? I like, <laughs> no, I don't think there's like one one direct thing that I can think of that I was like, oh, that's no. I that's think it's a it. it's been a, a combination of things and conversations and and books and I don't know. Part of my education. Um, I want to say maybe one of my mentors while I was in graduate school, his name is Tom Bar uh, Borup, and he wrote a couple of books around community and creativity. Um, and he pretty much wrote the book on like placemaking. Um, and we had a lot of conversations around that. Like, what does that mean? And, right. and what is that's in the NEA, like, the NEA uses that all the National Endowment for the Arts, like they're our town, their right. their grants are all about yeah. placemaking. Well, the fascinating thing about 
being an artist and being interested in culture, being interested in policy, like I'm very much interested in policy is like how, how all of these things kind of evolve and change and, and how as we kind of learn collectively, these definitions change, you know, like the definition mm -hmm. around culture changes, the definition of public art changes, the definition, like all of these things as we are we're constantly shifting and, and evolving. And I think that's the part that's like the really hard part with politics that it takes a while for politics to catch up to how people are evolving or how they're growing or how they're like operating in their own communities, you right. know, and, and, and they have like, you know, cities and governments have, you know, specific mechanisms in place that they think are going to be, you know, durable, but they not, they're not like, the codes and the laws and the things they have to evolve as people evolve and that's that's the challenging part and they 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 need to respond to the people asking for permission and that might be the one place where i think that they forget like they think they come first and it's like you only exist because we're trying to do something right you know well, and that's the other thing i feel like artists like why do you need permission? Right. Don't seek permission. Right. Just do Just whatever go do you're going to do. And go put your easels out. And <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the beautiful thing about uh, creatives. It's like, imagine if we were waiting for permission to invent things and to come up with new methods or right. we wouldn't do anything. Like, no, don't, don't ask for permission. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> And and rarely actually say I'm sorry. Yeah, maybe <laughs> because you're you're really not you're doing it. And... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. I love it. Well, uh, we we practically have done it here. We we've been talking for a bit. Um, I remember you guys were initially one of the conversations we had was about getting paid as artists and treating artists fairly. And, um, and that whole world, uh, I'm watching going into the NFT worlds and in the, you know, and all these, like, I just read an article about NFTs, like losing their value and not really mattering. <laughs> in like three, so like, <laughs> there were like firecrackers <laughs> or something. I yeah. have this great firecracker. Want to buy it? Poof. Okay, great. <laughs> Yeah, I wondered if they were going to actually get anywhere and maybe, you know, we'll listen back and something happened and we were wrong. But I um, I still think that patronage is is an area that we um, using that language and, you know, Patreon now is has picked up on that. But um, as a nonprofit, I, I'm shifting a little bit of my thoughts toward um, just handing young artists money. I'm actually trying to coordinate something where I've got songs and album, you know, little album art, and I just hand money to these guys, like patronage. That We've got to find that as well. So um, there's just, there's still a lot. There's still a lot of, I think, um, at every turn hope for, that we need to make sure that artists are still feeling yeah like i mean there's so much work to do in that arena um i think um it's it's tricky because art music um it just becomes commodified and it's it's, it's easy everywhere. to grab it's easy to yeah. grab and and yeah. feel like you own it because there's a picture of it because you've got right. the digital of it yeah yeah and there's there's so much work to be done around that um you know our our goal has always been to compensate our artists um fairly and make sure that their time and their skill and their work is valued like any other worker I, I i think i i keep referring to um there's a psychological thing that happens when you say you're an artist and right. it comes from the romanticizing of artists themselves you know that they're like this bohemian you know 
they love it like this life, you know yeah. and, and i'm gonna i think it's important to to switch that i think language is it's so huge um and how we use language and i want to switch more to like you're an arts worker you're working you know just like like myself i'm an arts administrator like my my skill set and and my my time and my energy has value just like anybody else that has been doing something for 10 plus years right um Erin <laughs> is like on the back she's like there's 25 years of combined experience and it's true <laughs> like once you start kind of tallying the years which by the way I'm still yeah <laughs> right I'm totally okay. fine with revealing my I'm age I'm not, way I'm not, older than both of you so I've got the hundred and some odd years just on my own <laughs> right um no but I just think there um there's so many like emerging artists that are so hungry just to get some, you know, recognition or some, you know, and it's just a tricky thing, like art and valuing art and putting a price on art. Yeah. It's, it's a very tricky thing um, because it's not like, it's so much more, it's like both tangible and untangible because it's, it's, it's tied to, to, your dreams and hopes, you know, and, and all kinds and of things. And your ego and uh, your perception and your, your, you know, how you want yeah. to talk. I know. I, I try to teach kids that, that kids, adult, you know, anyone up to age 25 yeah, is a kid for me, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, that, that, you know, to have a relationship with money as it relates to your art or as it relates to yourself as, completely in your like it's a part of your rhythm because you know I, I got my job at Warner Brother Records yes because I went to school and yes because I had a portfolio I was 23 years old came to this town knew no one had only a portfolio and got a job in the end designing for Madonna and Van Halen but the the work that made them hire me was the free stuff I did for my friends' bands. Right. And I'm like, and I'll, and I never forget that. And yeah. I, so, so this, there's, it is a symbiotic relationship with like, with exactly that moment, that piece of art and that person who either wants it or wants something, you know, and like, as long as your soul can dance with that, do right. it because you'll, you'll keep being in, in some kind of flow. And right. I find that, that when we try to cerebrally put our boundary on pay me first and then and then I'll create or something like that, that yeah. it's a hard thing. It's a, yeah, even, you know, I think of artists like with artists that don't go to art school, you do have to prove yourself. Like you do have to get to a certain level of, um, competency. Being able, and, yeah. yeah. And, and have, like you said, building a portfolio, like how is anybody, how is it any different than me hiring somebody else? And, and I don't know, you know, just because somebody tells me like they're a great, I don't know, electrician or whatever, you know what I mean? Like right. that thing, like, no, but there's like, even when you go to art school, it's not like you get a license in, in being an artist. Like, yeah, you can have a, an MFT or, you know, I mean, an MFA, MFA, yeah. MFA you know, <laughs> NFTs, you know, you can have <laughs> right. an MFA and like not having shown in any galleries or no one buying your art. So right. how are you supposed, how are you going to like, put value to your work if nobody has purchased it if there's no track record of, of anybody putting a value on your artwork other than yourself if that makes sense right you know? so, right as an it's like you do have to do the you have to walk that walk and yeah maybe hustle and 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 give shit for free out for the few couple of years until somebody starts buying your stuff and then and then you can kind of discern and start putting value on, on, on your work. But yeah, it's not, it's not a, it's not a thing where you're just like, well, I, 
now I'm an artist and now I'm selling my sketches for, you know, $5,000. It's like, right. Right. So arbitrary, you know? So. Right. And I've had kids who are like, you know, pay me 300 bucks for my, for my worth. And I'm like, I don't even have $300 to give you right now. So do you want to do this stuff or not? But, um, and then it just speaks to universal basic income. We can, <laughs> we can all agree that like, if we all just had a little bit of sustaining power, there would right. be so much more creativity out there. Absolutely. So I much more. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and that alone, like maybe that's the rally cry for the rest from until, until Andrew Yang just is like, I did it. <laughs> I did it everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, that, that is a big thing to consider, especially when you think about, yeah, where technology is taking us, you know, and how everybody is, we all have the tools today to be entrepreneurs and to be our own bosses and to be our own right. marketers and to be our own whatever, you know, insert, you know, whatever Gig. career you want to create in yeah. the blank. Um, but again, it, it's so, it, it is that um, relationship between you and whoever's consuming your work. That's exactly, you that's it, exactly it. Yeah. Value in that and who's putting the value to your work. You know, it's not just you, it can't just be you. Right. It's, it's that relationship between you and the public. So, yep. Yeah. Yep. You're so smart. <laughs> You've been doing this. Aaron's like with a headache. <laughs> I am so sorry, Aaron. I, I can't handle headaches. I can't even imagine how you feel. I want you to just, I want you worse. To... I'm like on medication for them. What I have to turn the lights on in here. Uh, I get migraines like very like, um, I hope you're not recording this, but uh, uh. if you are, that's okay. <laughs> but I'm actually on medication for migraines because they're gnarly. So you both, you on. both get them. Oh. Well, I don't know that Aaron gets them all the time time but i know how it feels and so i'm like girl just do your lay thing. just lay <laughs> she's laying going like okay this what about this say that <laughs> oh all right well we can clap each other out um yes exactly thank, thank you, you so much for having me and Aaron here. exactly <laughs> Aaron tangentially. my partner right now <laughs> Which she usually isn't. Oh, <laughs> goodness. Well, I miss seeing both of you. I miss being in the streets. I, I should say, and I've, I've told you this before, but, you know, not on a podcast, that you have given through Reseda Rising, you gave me my future daughter-in-law because oh, it oh. it was a real meetup it was and i and i hear this i love those stories Lauren. i, I like was just gonna say don't so you get these stories all the time so much love i i'm gonna be doing a you know more of a retrospective of the 10 years and you guys are so much part of that your pictures my pictures through you, you. I, you you gave me a place where where you know i could be bald with cancer and just go and like they did it they did the work i can just show up and <laughs> i really needed that when you did so um so yeah, yay incredible just for continuing to do everything you were doing what you were going through that really hard challenging time so my hat's off to you respect Thanks. always and thank you so much for all your work thank you we really appreciate you and whenever we're able to be back together again on the streets we let's will. coalesce our rally cry i'm up for that i you know we'll we'll continue holding hands yay love That's you good. both Bye. Bye. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Yes. Thank you for listening to Off the Wall Graffiti's Immersed in Art. We are brought to you by Orange 34 Media. I want to do a specific shout out to our intro music created by Luciano West.ca on Instagram. My goodness, do I love this guy. Our undertrack is brought to you by Alexander Martinez on Instagram. He is I am underscore just underscore a underscore loser underscore no, you're not. 
However, he's very talented and took us up on our challenge to write this music for us. I want to also say so much thank you to City National Bank and the Water Buffalo Kids, both on Instagram. Thank you so much. Without you guys, we would not have this great road equipment. We would not have been able to shop at Sweetwater. So thank you. And I hope you like it. If you want to get your story on this, just DM us on Instagram at Off the Wall Graffiti. 